your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It's a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast where we cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the NHL. We're doing these episodes a little bit delayed because of the fact that, you know, news is sort of trickling out, so not as often as we would like to be putting them out. But still, a nice, juicy episode for tonight. A lot to talk about. Just a quick rundown of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ryan, uh, McDonough being released from the Blackhawks organization. We're going to be talking about Eddie Olchek possibly taking over his position. That's sort of the rumor coming out of the mill. Uh, also, what does that mean for Stan Bowman? I mean, that's sort of another thing that kind of gets asked when somebody like somebody who's in McDonough's situation gets let go. Um, also, just an update on Brent Seabook's injury, where it is that recovery is going well for him. And then also... Duncan Keith being kept off a pretty high-end list of defensemen from this past decade of the NHL, and just kind of, kind of a big deal that he's left off. And then on the wing side of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Jeff Blashill being named to the Fair State Hall of Fame. Detroit's goaltending situation moving forward, given the fact that Jimmy Howard rumors being that he's not going to be coming back to Detroit. Um, and then also the fact that Detroit lands probably one of the biggest non-U.S. free agents this offseason, Matthias Bellum. So just a great sign for their rebuild moving forward. And then when we move outside of the Blackhawks and the Red Wings, we're going to be talking about the fact that Detroit, Chicago, and Philadelphia all sort of lent out their sanitizing equipment to help with the coronavirus efforts around their cities. Um, the fact that Bauer is specifically working on a mask for hockey so that the playoffs can be played and keep the players safe. The fact that we're going to be looking at possibly a June season start to the rest of the season just for a playoffs. We're also going to be breaking down the playoff bracket system that's being floated around right now is what we could be looking at for our, a schedule. Also, the NHL's entry draft has been confirmed to be online. There will not be a in-person draft this year. So that's going to be different. And also the next season for the NHL, for that matter, it's looking like it's going to be starting in December. Just how is that also going to affect the next season moving forward as well? Contracts, all of that stuff. So with all that being said, I'm going to stop rambling and I'm just going to introduce everybody for the show. Um, I'm your host, Jordan Linscott. And tonight I'm going to be joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Nicola Page. Fellas, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, what a week. Uh, it's going to be interesting. This podcast will be a fun one. Uh, and this is the second energetic podcast in a row that I'm here. So let's get this thing started, boys. I mean, David, how you doing? Doing all right. Just, you know, uh, continuing distance learning with my students. Just registered for my first two classes this summer for my master's program. So things are going well. Good to hear you guys are doing well. I mean, let's just, let's just jump right into this thing. So, I mean... I started off talking about the Hawks topic, so let's just talk about Hawks world first, because 
I think the Hawks have a lot of bigger things going on potentially in the organization than the Wings do these past few weeks. Uh, McDonough being released from the Hawks organization, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, it's not very often that upper management moves get made like this. So it's one of those things where people are looking at the situation. I mean, he's had, what is it, Nick, like 12 and a half years with the organization or something like that? Uh, a little longer than that. I think I want to say it's like 15 years now. Is it? But either way, double digit year. So it has been a minute. I mean, what was your take when you first heard this news? Oh, I was ecstatic. Uh, I think John McDonough is one of those guys. He's kind of very hard to work for. So he, he's, I mean, he was successful. Don't get me wrong. He is fair share of great things with the Blackhawks, but he's just kind of a dickhead. Um, I don't want to completely bag on him too much because, like I said, he did bring was part of the reason why the Blackhawks became relevant. They became a modern day hockey team, what they are today, but. It's just, it kind of ran stale with him and just supporting Stan the way he did. Uh, not, he's part of the reason why the Blackhawks are in cap hell because he keeps putting these everything into Stan Bowman's decisions, not stepping in. He's not really a hockey mind. So, uh, it it kind of just was a long time coming. McDonough, I think this might be one of the first dominoes to fall. Let's, we'll, I mean, we'll get into that very soon, but. It's something a lot of Blackhawks fans have been looking forward to because this is a promising sign for this organization. Maybe a change is a big change is near. I mean, obviously, somebody like this is a big oversight for you know your organization. I mean, they're they're one of the people at the top making some of the core decisions. I mean, if you were if you were going to look back at you know McDonough's tenure with the Hawks. Would you say that you would look – I mean, obviously you have to look favorably, right? I mean, he, like you said, he made hockey relevant in Chicago again. But do you think after, quote-unquote, the, the golden years were through, do you think that tarnishes his reputation a little bit, or do you think he still keeps that intact? I think he's still going to get always a ton of credit. Kind of like – I don't know if you guys are watching the – Jordan documentary that's going on on ESPN about Jerry Cross. I mean, a lot of people hated him, but he still gets a lot of credit for that dynasty years. I think McDonough will also get the same, but you know, he kind of started tarnishing his legacy when he chose Stan over Quinville. When Stan, yeah, I, I personally believe Stan is the problem. I'm sure a lot of other Blackhawks fans do. So that was kind of one of his first big decisions that didn't go his way. It's kind of been downhill ever since then. Uh, uh, one thing I do want to add about McDonough, I forgot to bring up earlier, is I think he's just very, like, he's just loyal to for the wrong reasons. Like back in two thousand nine, he fired Dale Talon, who was the when the Blackhawks were on the rise. Dale Talon got Chris Ristie, Patrick Sharp, and they, he stole those two in trades. He signed Martin Hamlet. He signed Arian Hosa, and then dealt and then. Because of the host of contract contract controversy, he promoted Dale Talon to a senior advisor role with Stan, to Stan Bowman because he didn't like how quick that the Hawks were becoming a good team. He couldn't stand that Dale was so successful and getting credit for building the Hawks from a last place team to making the conference final in three short years. And that was a quote from Martin Havlat saying how all the players were on Dale's side. So it kind of shows the personality John McDonough has, and you know, he kind of wants more credit than he deserves. 
Okay. Man. David, what do you th- like? What's your take on this? Like, do you think that this was like the right move by Chicago, or do you think they should have gave him a little bit more of a window? They're not the same team they were at the beginning of the decade. Um, they've started to go not downhill, but they're regressing instead of progressing. So I think you know, shake things up with a change, not just a coaching change, which they already did by. Um, getting rid of Quenville, but now internally in the front office. So, you know, shake things up. It, it's happened with the wings where Babcock left. Uh, Blasio was promoted. Ken Holland kind of left after Eisenman was brought in. So we've made our office changes, and it looks like the Blackhawks are going to be making their office changes too. Okay. Speaking of office changes, I mean, r- rumor has it right now that uh, Eddie Olachek could possibly – being like the talks of taking over that position. Like, do you guys like that move or no? Yeah, I do. Olchek has been linked to four teams in the past, I think it read 14 months. So, and what I like about Olchek is he was a former NHL coach, former NHL player. And when he's broadcasting for the Hawks, he points out all these little things to fans that don't notice. I mean, I know he's a professional hockey player in the past and he knows these things that some fans may not know, but He's a guy that will go in on the Hawks if they're struggling. Like he's not afraid to hold back, even on our home broadcast. He's a hockey man. He, hockey mind. He wants to win. I can see him being in some kind of role. I know Philadelphia interviewed him a couple months ago, and he's very interested in a Blackhawks job if they offer him that. So I think Eddie Olchek would be a good fit. I'm maybe not as a GM, but as a GM advisor or something along those lines, because he's one of those guys that kind of knows what he's doing and. You can really show like the little things, and that he wants to he wants to make the Blackhawks great again. Mm-hmm. Um, if, like the other question this has got to bring up, right, is Stan Bowman. Like, I feel like I almost expected Stan Bowman to be let go before this move. Instead, I mean. I know it's really easy to bag on a coach or bag on a GM, but when you look at the moves that this team has made, right? At the end of the day, who is responsible for most of those moves? It's the general manager. He's the one who sort of formulates the plan for this team. And after, you know, the 2015 playoffs, where's Chicago been? Basically nowhere. I mean, what was it? You guys got swept by Nashville and then you've missed every year since, right? I like, the team has gone nowhere but south, and I mean, do you think that maybe Stan Bowman should have been let go before McDonough? Uh, I kind of think it was impossible. I think McDonough was just such a big supporter of Stan that it wasn't going to happen. So, uh, and that was obviously that would obviously be McDonough's decision to fire Stan unless Rocky Words just decided to totally intervene. So, I think. This is a promising sign with McDonough being fired. I don't know if it could lead to the dominoes to fall. There's a lot of things to unpack with Stan Bowman. Can, uh, can I just start from uh, see the rumor over the summer, Jordan? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I know this was one of our topics, but there was a rumor on Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts blog that he posts out every every week. He said there, there was believed to be a Stan Bowman contract extension this past summer. I, I know we said it was a secret extension, and that's because it kind of was, because who thinks something like that would be announced over so- social media or 
officially announced on the website. There was nothing like that, and that's because fans wouldn't support it. So with, there's the Bowman secret extension. It starts with that, so we don't know what Bowman, where Bowman's at with the Hawks organization. This could be the first domino to fall with McDonough being fired, and maybe that leads to Stan being fired, but then there's also rumors saying that Bowman might be promoted. I don't know where which direction they're gonna go with Stan Bowman. I don't know. I I personally like I get a lot of Hawks fans have patience with him because of the fact that the Hawks were relevant for just such a long time during the cap era, right? I mean you look at the NHL salary cap, what's it designed to do? It's designed to make it so that perennial contenders can't happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean the Blackhawks have broke that trend. The Lightning have bro- broken that trend. And the, the Boston Bruins and the Penguins have broken that trend. Los Angeles and, Kings as well. Yeah, like, at this point, well, it's kind of hard. Right? Not lately, but, like, I mean, the fact that, you know, you have a couple teams and only a couple GMs who have been able to really work around the cap and get away from what it was designed to do and Stan Bowman as much as I as much as I don't agree with his position right now as the GM you got to you got to give him his due you know he he's been able to keep this team somewhat competitive I mean yes did they underperform the past few years in my opinion yep absolutely I think they did I think they could have absolutely done better I'm not saying that I thought they'd be cup contenders again but I do think that they should have been in the playoff mix I'll put it that way and I think the roster in general underperformed. I mean, I mean, Nick, you're really like you've had a chance to watch his moves and study them closer than we have. And I mean, do you think that it's just inevitable at this point? He gets canned or something that they move on from. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, you've got three, like I mean, three superstars, right? You got Patrick Kane, you've got Jonathan Taves, you got Duncan Keith, and sure, you can say Keith's not in his prime anymore, but I mean, you have two of the best players right now. Like, how is that team not being a playoff team? Yeah, I think it's an inv- inevitable that you know whether it's a promotion, a demotion, or completely getting fired, that Stan's not going to be the GM of the Blackhawks. Maybe history could repeat itself and they do something like what they did with Dell Talent that I explained earlier. Maybe either demote him to an advisor role or promote him to maybe even McDonough's position because McDonough wasn't hands-on with the Blackhawks. He didn't have any really say in the trades and everything, roster transactions and stuff like that. He was like, Stan would just go to him and be like, can I do this? We have the money for him. John would just be saying, up to you. Maybe Stan gets placed in that role and have somebody take over because a GM, a normal GM, I don't care how much you succeed in the past. If you're in the lottery three straight years, you typically don't last. No. You typically don't last, and that's what Stan's at. Stan did his job uh, developing a dynasty, putting together a dynasty for the Blackhawks. I, I, I would, I mean, I would argue that Dale Talon put a lot of that work getting this core. But besides that point, this is a whole new job. It's rebuilding, getting a new core together to support Taze and Kane and Keith Crawford and everybody like that. You gotta, you gotta bring a new guy in because this is not a job that's meant for Stan. Because this is completely 
completely different to what he's used to being doing. Because Stan would just go out in the deadline, get some ass, get some guys that would help out for a cup run, and you know it would look good. He would get free agents that want to come to Chicago on a steal, and nobody wants to do that anymore. But that's not Stan's role anymore. He can't rebuild is kind of going really slow, and I think they need to bring someone in. And like you said, Jorah, earlier, Io seems like that could be the guy. Okay, I mean. I think maybe we should move outside of management talk, and I guess we're kind of we'll move on to the player side of the Hawks news this week. Um, first piece of news uh, looks like Brent Sieverk is starting to make a recovery. Uh, basically, went down in the season, and it looked like maybe he wasn't going to be coming back to the game for maybe ever if he didn't recover. I mean, he had a pretty bad injury, not even really being able to fully shoot with his stick. I mean, so the fact that he's recovering looks good. And, I mean, I don't know if they've put an actual timeline out on when they would even begin to expect him back. Just the fact that he might be healthy again would be a good sign for you guys because you guys have a decent cap hit signed up in him. I don't think you guys want to go the route of the buyout for him because the wings have been on that side of the buyout, and trust me, you guys don't want to be there. Yeah, I think all systems, like, everything leaning towards that they want Seabrook to play out his contract, and obviously buyout is kind of, Something that nobody wants to happen just because of what Seabrook's done and also because, the, I mean, the cap still wouldn't be nice to us. Like, it would still affect us quite a bit. So, I, I think they're hoping he plays out his contract or, you know, maybe a hint, hint, Marion Hosa type of retirement <laughs> slash long-term IR. But if Seabrook wants to play, I kind of want Seabrook to play because, I mean, he's still got some. Like, he's not as bad as every Hawks fan tries to make him seem. I mean, what do you think, Dave? Like, do you think Seabrook actually is going to have a spot back in the NHL at this point, or do you think it's one of those things where he might just decide, you know, hey, I'm done. This is this is it for me. Uh, I could see him hanging him up. Um, a spot in the NHL might be hard to get unless it's for you know a lower team. But even then, he would probably be a bottom pairing or he'd be relegated to the AHL. And I don't think he sees himself playing in the AHL. So I think it just depends on all that. But I think he hangs him up. I would just hate to see him go the way the Red Wings did with like Jonathan Erickson, where Erickson was, he had, he played his, well, he had his moments with the Red Wings. It was pretty solid for a long time. And I'd hate to see. Like that happen. I mean, when he was younger. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't like, great. He wasn't great, but like Erickson was like a steady D man. I mean, Seabrook was great. Like like Erickson on on his decent nights, Erickson was a perfectly serviceable defenseman. Now he's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think it would it would be any good for Seabrook to go that route. I mean, David, how much do us fans in Wings World not like Jonathan Erickson because of how much cap he takes up, how much time they give him on the ice? And how they deploy him. We don't like him at all. I don't think Brent Seabrook really wants to sign up for that. No, and the other thing we don't like is that Erickson's a big body, but he plays like a marshmallow. That's also true. That was our biggest grief with him. Um, while we're on the topic of defensemen, one of the other defensemen who was sort of one of those anchors for Chicago while they were in the, uh, the cup contention, Duncan Keith, uh, being left off a list of you know top 15 defensemen, I mean, 
Nick, walk us through what your thoughts are on this one, because there's a de- there's another thing with this list that me and David had a problem with, and we'll talk about that one in a minute. But yeah, so uh, it, it all started. I literally just sent a screenshot to you guys in our little uh, group text. It was just a screenshot, and my caption was "fuck this list" because <laughs> it's just like I've got. Duncan Keith, I would say, is a top 10 defenseman of all time. Just let's look at his accolades. A three time Stanley Cup champion. He's got two gold medals, I want to say. Two gold medals. He was a Con Smythe winner. He was a, Nor- a two time Norris Trophy champion or trophy winner. But that is a, quite a resume. That's quite a resume to have a con, be the MVP of the playoffs, three Stanley Cup champions. Two gold medals, and what was the other one I said? Two Norris, two Norris trophies. trophies. So, he left off a list where Eric Carlson's on it. Eric Carlson, he's not even the best defenseman on the Sharks right now. And it's a Dano Chara, I think. Like the Dano Chara, the only thing good about him is he's big, he can hit, and he's been awful the last few years as well. He's got Charlie McAvoy there to pick him up, so. Char and Carlson, if they're on that list, Duncan Keith definitely deserves to be on the list. Carlson doesn't deserve to be on that list at all. And I just, it, it infuriates me. And like, the thing about it is really this. I mean, when, like, when you look at Duncan Keith, right? What, you mentioned all of his accomplishments. It's not even just the accomplishments, though, either. It's the fact that how much ice time does he log a night? He can log, you know, almost 30 minutes. He plays an Every situation, he plays power play, plays penalty kill. What do they use him for? They use him as somebody who can quarterback a power play. Like, during their cup years, he was the top pair defenseman. This guy literally was the jack-of-all-trades for Chicago's blue line for, I would honestly say, close to eight years. I mean, how do you look at that guy and say, nah, probably not, not in the top 15, even though, you know, he's got all of this hardware. It's crazy. Like, I was shocked too that he was left off the list. Like, he was our Nick Lindstrom. He still kind of is our Nick. He's going out there playing the most minutes a night out of any Blackhawk. And that's it's actually kind of funny you say that, Nick. I mean, I wish I could remember who it was, but somebody actually said as soon as Nick Lindstrom retired, Duncan Keith became the new model of two-way defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was a model, like he was a role model defenseman. Everybody wanted to be Duncan Keith. He was involved offensively, and he was one of the best defensive players. Oh, speaking of Nick Lidstrom, I just want to touch on our little, our little gripe with this list. Anybody who says Bobby Orr is a better defenseman than Nick Lidstrom, I honestly want to challenge you on that one. So I, me too. Okay, I watched like homerism aside. I watched Nick Lidstrom play from the time I was a kid until he retired. I think I saw him get beat one-on-one twice. He, like Keith, played every single position in terms of power play, penalty kill, quarterback in your power play. Like, he did everything. And the fact that, you know, like he had... How many Norris trophies did he have, David? Was it seven? I think it was seven. Let's see, Nick... Lindstrom, Norris Trophy. He won it a grand total of. Oh, come on, you stupid thing! It's like, oh, how many of you do? Here's his Wikipedia page. 
Seven. Seven, yeah. Like, a guy who's won seven Norris trophies, that guy isn't first, but a guy who is on a completely stacked Oilers team, who, yes, is a great defenseman, but... Bruins. 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 What what did I just say? Did I say Oilers? Oilers, yeah. Oh, my gosh. People, this is why you don't work almost 80-hour weeks. Good. Continue. Sorry. But regardless, the fact that... Nick Lidstrom is not at the top of this list, I think is probably the biggest sin. I mean, he's literally got nicknamed the perfect human. Mm-hmm. He's a seven-time Norris Trophy winner. He won the Conn Smythe. He's part of the Triple Gold Club because he won an Olympic gold medal. Um, All juniors and probably U18. Yep. He's had his number retired. He's part of the All-Star team. He's won the Cup four times. He's a 12-time NHL All-Star. He's a 10-time NHL first All-Star team member. He's done it all. I'm glad we could both hate this goddamn list because, Jesus. <laughs> we hate it for shallower reasons than you do. Here's the funny I mean, how many times now this season have we gotten mad over goddamn lists? Like it's, it, it's like the stupidest thing to get mad over, but we have gotten enraged. Don't make any more lists and we're gonna, or else we're going to just keep Coming on this podcast, pissed off. <laughs> Let's make our own list with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> uh, uh, Nick, can you think of anything else in Hawks World that uh, we can talk about this week before we move over to Wings World? Oh, I think uh, you know we talked a lot about the Hawks. Uh, big week, past couple weeks now with the prospects and stuff. So uh, let's give the Wings some shine now. Okay, so moving on to Wings World, there's not as much to talk about here, but there are a couple things to uh, touch on. Uh, the first being Jeff Blaschel was named to Fair State's uh, Hall of Fame. This is just, I think, a nice honor for him. I mean, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're both kind of on the same page with Jeff Blaschel in terms of his spot here in Detroit. But it's on thin just, ice. <laughs> I think uh, th- I think thin might be. Might be a little generous, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Just This is a nice honor for him, though. I mean, yes, he hasn't performed in the NHL the way that we'd like, but he has had just great success at the AHL level. And this is kind of just a cool honor for him. I mean, it's a... I mean, it's one thing to, you know, be admired by, you know, fans of the team that you that you coach for or by your hometown, but this is recognition from somewhere else. This is something that somebody else decided, hey, we want this guy in our Hall of Fame because we thought he's represented us very well. I think this is kind of a cool honor to give him. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh. I mean, good for him. I mean, he's not a terrible coach. Like, look what he did with the Grand Rapids Griffins. Like, we won the Calder Cup twice with him, I believe. I'm trying to remember if he was there for the first one, but he did win at least one. And like to his credit, he did develop Thomas Tatar and Gustav Nyquist. So I can't hate on him completely and say he's a bad coach. But I don't think he's transitioned well to the NHL. Granted, our team was kind of on the outs when he took over, but I don't think he's our coach for the future. No, but we said this before. He's not. (laughs) He's going to be named. He's going to be named. Um, McDonough McDonald's position. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I think probably 
the bigger piece of news though this week for Wings World is what is Detroit's goaltending situation going to look like moving forward? Because I mean, word coming out is basically that Jimmy Howard's done to Detroit. He's not going to be back after the season. I mean, what does Detroit even do for a goaltending duo? Because like, if you look at the free agency market this year, like who's available? Big uh, guys like Braden Holtby. Yep. And I wish. Like, I just, I don't see the Wings picking up a big name like Holtby. I think it messes up the rebuild window as much as, as much as it pains me to say it, because I would actually like to see a goaltender like Holtby in Detroit, but I just think cap reasons and rebuild window, it doesn't make sense. But Detroit doesn't have like a definite, this is our guy in the pipeline moving forward. I mean, we have so many goaltenders who are bouncing around the ECHL, for example. No goaltender in the AHL has really earned that spot in Detroit to come up and to be the back or be the starter. And at this point, Bernier, as much as we would like to say he's a starter, which he had, he played like starter of the season, all credit to him where it's due. He's not a long-term piece either. I mean, what do you guys think the Wings should be doing this season for free agency with goaltender? Because they have to make a decision. It's tough because, like you said, we don't have a guy in the pipeline. Um, uh, we we thought we had it with Morazic a couple years ago, but he did not pan out for us, and we traded him away for picks. And there isn't a guy that really stands out right now for us in the pipeline. So my grafting throws, I just say F it and try to sign Holpe. I mean, he would be our goalie for the foreseeable future. We have young talent that are growing every year, and if we are able to draft you know, one of the top three guys, that will help us immensely, especially if it's Lafreniere. Um, I don't know. I think we need to just go for it. Or, I mean, if you don't want to go the Holpe route, you got a former Chicago Blackhawk that could be your goalie of the future because he's still kind of young, Robin Leonard. Yeah, that's true. Now, let's say, let's say either Leonard or Holtby agrees to even come to Detroit. Right? What do you guys think cap situation would look like for them? Because I mean, Holtby has got a Stanley Cup to his name. He's got a, a Vesna, and he was he was starter in Washington. I mean. You can't take that away from him. I mean, my only gripe with signing Holtby would be when you look at the other big goalie contracts in the NHL, like Bob Frosky, like Carey Price, that is a lot of money to tie up in a guy. And if he Mm -hmm. starts having a bad season and doesn't rebound, those contracts begin to look very bad. Yeah, but also you got to look at the fact that a lot of the guys the Red Wings are going to have for the next, you know, three, four years, they're still going to be on their ELC rookie deals. So they're going to be getting paid their league minimum slash uh, what they signed out of being drafted. So they're going to have, like, I know, so maybe after like five years, then that's when you really want to start considering cap and stuff like that. But when the rebuilds, done and you guys have these goalies one of these goalies locked up long term if they sign them they're still going to be having quite a bit of cap because I you know hope he might go for nine and a half ten million letter I would say 
six and a half to seven and a half, anywhere in that range. So there's still going to be some wiggle room for the Wings just because they got a lot of money coming off the books. I don't see them making that many splashes in free agency. Maybe Tory Krug also. But, you know, they're, they're going to have a nice little core put together, and, and they, might have, they might have a little bit of money. Now, what would you guys see as like decent contracts for them if you were if you were going to be fair and say this is what I think they're going to sign for? <sighs> guy like Leonard, I would say probably he wants long term. We all know that. We talked about that with the Hawks. I would say like five years, seven and a half mil. I could see that. Yeah, seven. I would say seven to eight mil for both of them. Opie, I think would want a little more. He's thirty though, which is scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably like seven. Seven years for Holtby, uh, nine and a half to ten and mil. It's just I, I mean, goalies are such a tough price to put on. Yeah. No, David. Let's say Leonard says that he would agree to play in Detroit for six point five or seven a year, and he wants five years. I think that's fair, and I would actually be okay with that deal. Would you be? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, the. The rebuild's not going to take much longer, in my opinion, so we could have him locked up for when we're competing again. And, you know, maybe we draft or we draft another young guy that could be his successor and he could help train him and show him the ropes. Or you could always go the route of getting Eric Comrie and just continuing that fuck, or that, uh, whatever that rotation that Comrie's been going on this last season. <laughs> yes. From Winnipeg to Arizona to Detroit to Winnipeg. It's just going to be like an endless circle. You just rotate him around all year. Yeah, he'll be just a number two for five teams a year. There you go. <laughs> um, and then I think the last piece of uh, news for us to talk about for Detroit is the fact that uh, they ended up getting Matthias. I'm, I believe you say, how you say his name? Bohm, I believe is how you say it. Or Bomb? Bomb. Bomb. So he ended up coming to Detroit and. Funny enough, he had offers from multiple teams and he came to Detroit. So that is a good sign as well. It must be he sees something that he likes in the making of Detroit's team mm-hmm. for the future. Um, I believe he signed, what was it, a two-year deal? Yes, it was a two-year deal. So it's not a huge like you know, deal where he's here long-term, but it's just sort of a let's see if he can pan out. Let's see if his game translates to the NHL level. And if he gets a spot long-term, I like this move a lot. I mean, there's little to no risk in it. And let's say he doesn't pan out right. The Red Wings are out, what, maybe a couple million tops. I mean, this is the sort of move that gets you to either a completed rebuild faster because it finds you a piece, or it doesn't work out and you can trade it for some late-round picks and one of those picks might be a longevity piece after you've already found your core. I think this move's great. What do you guys think? I agree. I think it's a really good move. Um, he has talent. He had a lot of. He had a couple other teams going after him, and he picked Detroit. So I'm just hoping uh, he pans out really well for us. I think he's going to. I mean, the team he was on. You know, so he was in the SHL. He's a Swede. You know how they they kind of relegate and do things like that to keep teams in the SHL and keep it competitive. Yep. He was he like he led the team to keep them in the SHL. He was he led the team in assists and points this season. He had forty three points, which I mean that doesn't stand out, but in forty two games, 
or 52 games. That's still good because in the SHL, in Sweden in general, they like, like everybody touches a puck when they're on the ice. Like they don't on these running gun offenses. Like they everybody's touching the puck before the puck's even in the net. And he was seventh in goals, seventh in assists, and sixth in points in the league. And at 25 years old, this guy could be like. I'm not saying he's a dominant Kubli because this guy seems like more of a 200 foot player, and he's quick. So he's he's could be a top six or maybe just even a third line guy that is going to play his role, and he's going to be a very talented player from Detroit. He's still young yeah. too. He's 25. Yeah, he's not even in his prime yet. I mean, you said that, you know, Nick, you could see him potentially, you know, top nine guy. I think that's pretty fair. I mean. Say we even if that's what he pans out to, right? Is just is strictly a top nine guy. You got him for literally for well, not literally because he cost actual dollars, but in terms of like you know trade assets like players or draft picks, you picked him up for free. So there's actual zero risk here in terms of league based assets. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it also shows with how many teams were in on him and I like the Maple Leafs were also in on him as well. Like he was a very touted he was a very touted player. Teams wanted to get them and you know yeah. found a way to bring another suite over to Detroit. I mean it's kind of funny like in in a way like Detroit's handling this rebuild almost by just like picking pieces off of other teams, right? Like you think about it. We stole Robbie Fabry from St. Louis. We picked uh, Brahm up from the SHL. We're going to be potentially picking up a goaltender from another team who just strictly can't sign him. Does Detroit do this like sort of weird rebuild thing where they just trade for picks and players instead of actually developing them, and then they still come out ahead? <laughs> it could happen. And they also got that, uh, what was his name, Timashaw from... Yeah, Timashaw from, uh, not Montreal, uh, Toronto. Yeah. So, I, I you know... Eisman's doing these moves like they're in silence, but you know, they can be moves that actually work out really well. Yep. Eisman's and, smart. I mean, look what he did with Tampa Bay. I have faith in what he's doing. Yeah, like a guy like Braden Point, you know, nobody really recognized him. And Eisman's like, hi, that's my guy. Yeah, I think Point was a third round selection. And, you know, what he's doing now. But, like, this is like, this is like, like, Picks like these are moves that can really change a rebuild if they hit. And I just I just want to bring this up because I thought this was a great signing by Eisner. It kind of flew under the radar of a lot of people. Um, we can move outside of the Wings and the Hawks world for just a second. And just before we move to the rest of the league, I just want to put a little... Uh, a little fun fact out there. Detroit, Chicago, and Philadelphia all sort of teamed up and ended up... Lending out their uh, their equipment cleaning and sanitizing equipment to help with the coronavirus effort. This is just a great look by all the organizations and props to them yep. for just coming together and saying, "Hey, we're not using this stuff right now anyway. Let's let somebody else use it." I mean, we're into this goddamn thing. I mean, it's great because like Detroit in general, like the sports teams in Detroit are always there to help people out. So it's great to see them continue to do that. And then Chicago and Philadelphia joining in and doing it as well too is just. It's great all around. Like, hockey's a sport, in my opinion, out of the rest of the American sports that do more for the communities. You see less, um, 
you know, conflicts and problems in hockey than you do in like the NFL, the NBA, MLB, like contract disputes, all these arguments, types of things like that. And it's great to see these players and the teams and the organizations doing what they can to help out. Yeah, that was very well said, David. Speaking of equipment, uh, moving outside the league, we got a couple things to talk about. The first being that Bauer is working on a mask specifically for hockey so that the players can play in safety whenever the season resumes. This is great because of the fact also that the league has put out basically that we're, we could possibly be looking at a start in July for the season. It seems like that might be the plan moving forward at this point. Um, how do you guys feel about the July start? Because it seems like it's got real traction at this point. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I miss hockey. I, I miss it. So I'm all for it. Let's bring some hockey back. You know, let's boost up the summer a little bit. You know, we only have baseball in July. So let's bring some hockey in July. Let's make this season go on a little bit. And I, I mean, I know that might mess with next season start time. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for it. Let's let's finish up this season. Let's find a Stanley Cup champion. Let's. Oh, we can't just have that season not end because it's just going to go down the record. Like going back. 20 years from now, we look back in the record books and like, well, what happened? You know, what, what happened in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the Stanley Cup champion? Yeah, and I agree. Like, I miss hockey. I miss sports in general. But at the same time, like, I don't want to have them come back too soon to cause another just massive wave of infections, and we have to go through it all over again. So, just when the time is right, and if July is that time, then. Yeah, let's do it. I feel like two months should be enough time. I mean, it should have given this virus plenty of time to run its course, I feel like. And on top of that, that gives, you know, these companies that are working on, you know, like these masks, for example, it gives them time to develop these and make these pieces of equipment for these teams. Is it going to be comfortable for the players? I don't know, to be honest. I mean, that's sort of one of those things that you kind of just have to say, well, it's it's going to have to be one of those things you figure out. But I think it's at least a good sign that the league is looking to restart the season and not just call it a wash. Um, also, it's just good that in some ways, this is giving the league a, not a template, but it's basically giving them a chance to get a plan together to figure out like, Hey, if something like this ever happens again, what might our protocol look like? I just, I think that's a great thing for the league to have. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so we mentioned this season possibly starting in July back up, which means that there's going to be a delay for next season. It looks like that delay is going to be n- until December. I believe. I mean, how do you guys feel about December for next season starting? Uh, you know, that's rough. I guess football, if it happens on time, it would get us there. But October, just like when October comes, just like, oh, it's hockey season, baby. Mm-hmm. So, but, I, mean, it, it, I mean, it completely changes, though, because these players do need their rest if this season happens. It's going to go on for another couple months. If the season starts in July, it's going to go on for at least two months. So, I mean, I guess it's not the worst case scenario. Obviously, there's going to be need. They're going to have to cut the schedule in order to get it back to normal for the, the season after that. So, we'll, I mean, 
if, it, if we get to play this season and this NHL season has to start in December, then let's do that. And then after that, let's just get it back to normal. The last piece of news that I kind of want to talk about before we start to wrap the podcast up is the fact that uh, the NHL entry draft is going to be online this year. And it makes sense, right, for like, you know, a player and, you know, management type safety reasons. I get that completely. Now, if it's going to be online, I feel kind of bad for whoever these players are because that's got to be part of the experience, right, is going up on stage meeting the general manager, like the president of the organization, shaking their hands, putting the jersey on the photos. And that's kind of going to be unfortunate for this draft class that they're going to miss out on this. Yeah, it's true. Um, But we saw recently with the NFL draft how they made it work. And I think viewership was pretty high for it too. But you had like some of the players like Joe Burrow, who was drafted number one overall, like they shipped him a hat. Um, players were shipped like a hat and stuff to put on with their family and everything. So I think it was really cool to do. And I think the NHL, um, like, especially with the top picks, like if the Red Wings get number one or whoever gets number one, we all know Lafreniere is the consensus number one. That team's shipping him his jersey and like a hat. And he's going to like stand up and put it on when they announce him. Yeah, I think it's going to work out. It's going to work itself out right now. Um it worked out for the NFL draft, and I don't see why it wouldn't work out for the NHL draft. I think it's still a special moment for these players because, believe it or not, it's more family-oriented than as well because they get to hang out with the loved ones they get to be with the most. You know, when the NHL draft comes, it's very limited seating capacity, so they might not be able to bring maybe like a cousin they're really close with or something along those lines. So... Like, they would still get to spend the time. They'd still get to cherish the moment. Sure, they don't get to walk up on the stage and shake Gary Bettman's hand and on the jersey and, you know, see the spotlight in front of all those fans. But it's still a very special moment, regardless. And I'd be able to spend it with, like, the people they love the most. Then mm-hmm. I think that might even make it a little bit better. Okay. Well, I just thought it was something kind of interesting, again, that we could talk about for a moment. Um, does anybody have anything else that they want to talk about before we wrap tonight's episode up? Nope. No, let's, you know, uh, keep on pushing through this pandemic, guys. We're, I feel like we're almost at the end of this tunnel. And, uh, you know, before we know it, we'll have hockey back on our TV. So just keep staying inside and keep practicing hygiene and let's get through this. All right. Well, guys, that's going to be it for this episode. Unfortunately, we don't have the flashback, the flash forward, because there's no games going on, which sucks. Hopefully it comes back soon. I think we're all itching for it at this point. So with that being said, I think that's going to be the episode for tonight. Um, for those of you who are still listening, we appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening to the show. At the end of the day, this is a podcast that is by fans and for fans. If you like what you heard, uh, feel free to give us a follow, a like, a share on whatever the medium is that you found us. You we're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Podcast, Or you can also find us on iTunes. Again, just type in Stickblade Podcast. will come up. Um, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook now. So the Twitter handle is at StickbladePod. Again, that's at StickbladePod, all one word, no underscores or anything like that. And then you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, so plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. And again, we just really want to thank you guys for tuning in to tonight's episode. And with that being said, you all have a good evening. You guys stay safe, take care of each other, and take care of yourselves. Have a good one.